There's at least one guy here that wants to hear it said one more time. School's out for summer. I cannot believe there's not a little more cheering from the kids on that. Yeah, graduation Sunday. That is something to celebrate. Our youngest had her photo up there. Finished SK. We got the report card on Friday. She's going to make it. Uh, you know, there was uh, some nail-biting moments in the week leading up to it, but relieved to find out that they're going to gonna move her along, so that's good. Be nice to have the kids home for a couple of months after uh, a <laughs> year and a half of being home uh, that whole time. So my wife in particular is quite excited about that. Um, somehow lost my... Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's a hoot, the youngest uh, in our family. And, uh, I mean, I, I am looking forward to having them home uh, and just hearing the things that kids have to say, things they observe. So our youngest is six now. But a couple of years ago, may, maybe three, uh, she was three or four at the time, and uh, she said to me driving home from town one day, we were doing an errand, Dad, why does nobody wave in the car? Why does nobody wave? And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's wrong. People wave all the time. Like We know all of our neighbors. Every time we pass them, they, they wave in the car. So we parked, and I got her to explain to me, like, what do you mean nobody waves? She said, well, all they ever do is this, driving by in the car. They just hold up their hand. I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, in her, in her mind, this guy's waving, right? That's how it's supposed to be. There's got to be a little bit of excitement there. You see your neighbor or see your, see your friend, but us adults, you know, this might be the most you get. Um, someone is a little bit grumpier. It's not even going to be that. You might just get the nod driving by. Did you see that real subtle little nod? And the grumpiest of drivers, uh, you're not going to get anything at all in terms of reaction. So it's, it's neat to see the perspective of a kid. And, you know, the first time that uh, the first lockdown was lifted and the kids got to play with some of their neighborhood buddies and they came over to the front porch, the kids are all like, hey, it's great to see you. Haven't seen you in so long. It's fun. It's exciting. And us adults like, yep, nice to see you. Uh, haven't seen you in a while. And that's the extent of it. And, uh, you know, maybe it hints at something. Something goes wrong in life, uh, and we just get a little more bored, maybe, as, or boring as, as adults. We don't have that same level of uh, excitement at work, at home, in the neighborhood. And there's all kinds of things that cause that. Like, you've got stresses and responsibilities that maybe knock it out of you a little bit. Uh, other things, you know, don't, don't always go according to plan in life. Your job might not be going that well. Um, things with your kids might not be, you know. Uh, marriages have, have issues too, and there's all kinds of things that, that uh, might cause you to lose some of that excitement, some of that joy uh, in life. But today, uh, what I want to talk about a little bit is, uh, is purpose. And uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that that's a little bit relevant to some of you, maybe not graduating from SK, but a little bit older as you look ahead. Uh, you know, school can sometimes feel like, what are we doing here? This is pointless. There's no, uh, nothing to be gained from being here in school. I don't want to learn this stuff. And, 
And maybe when you graduate school, you're wondering, what's the next purpose in life going to have in store? And uh, I guess it's been been my experience a little bit, and maybe some other adults would, would say the same, that uh, when, you, when you don't have a purpose, it really does feel like you're working for nothing. And I think school can feel that way. And I, I, even I can remember days thinking those same thoughts, what's the point in this? I'm not going to use calculus when I'm... Uh, and that's true. I never have used calculus after finishing uh, school. Um, you, you might have a, a job that you're working that you feel is dead end, like this isn't serving any real means. No one's benefiting from, from this. You know, one, one that I hear at home sometimes, maybe more often than just sometimes, is what's the point in cleaning up all of this mess? Like it's just going to get messy again the next day. And that happens, and I sympathize. And I can share all kinds of details like that today because my wife's not here. And uh, if any of you are willing to have someone for lunch after the service today, maybe I would take you up on on that offer. Uh, But when you don't have a purpose, you really do feel like you're working for, for nothing. And so that's not what anybody wishes for you kids finishing uh, school. That's not what anybody wishes for, for an adult. And, you know, quite, quite possibly most of you feel like, well, maybe I do want a purpose in life, but I just haven't found what it is yet. Or maybe I once felt like I had a purpose, but I've kind of lost it. And, and how can you know whether or not uh, you really are meeting the purpose that you, you should have in life. And I'll just share a little bit, I guess, about my, uh, my own experience and right around the time that I was starting university studies, first year or two, uh, that was like a big, a big topic of discussion, I suppose, in the church. You had like the Purpose Driven Life book come out, and that's all good stuff, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But personally, like I became really obsessed with trying to like, is this the right program of school that I'm in studying? And am I going to have the right kind of job when I'm done? And, and it even, you know, extrapolated into, am I going to marry the right person? And those of you that know my wife know that I did marry the right person. I married up. And uh, she's been stuck with me for almost 13 years now. So I, I guess I won that uh, um, situation in life. But, but I became real obsessed with this idea and, and thought about, changing school programs and this and that. And, uh, you know, really, I would say by God's grace, met uh, a real godly, real humble man that became a mentor uh, to me for for three years. And really, we've stayed in touch ever since, not as much anymore as we we used to. But uh, the more that he talked to me and, and heard what I was wrestling with and the things I was thinking about, he said to me, uh, you know, Andrew... Life is a lot like a dartboard, isn't it? And I said, well, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, the, the dartboard's got a bullseye. That's your perfect score. And, like, and that's really what God wants you to hit, right? That bullseye where you're going to get the perfect job and you're going to marry the perfect spouse and you're going to just be, be fully doing everything that God wants you to do, and that's the dartboard. But if you don't quite get it right, um, you, know, you don't quite pick the perfect job or study the right program, you're just a little bit further out of that bullseye. You know, you might still get a high score. You might, you might do okay. And this, the further you work out from that center ring, the further you get away from what God wants. That's what life is like, right? A dartboard. And I said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's why I'm having all of these, these struggles right now, trying to figure out 
what does that bullseye look like for me in my life? And, and I thought, this makes a lot of sense. This guy is wise. He's got this figured out, that life's like a dartboard. And, and after talking about that for, uh, for a while, he uh, asked me, well, what if life wasn't actually a dartboard? What if there wasn't this bullseye that you're trying to hit? What if life was actually more like a box? Not like a box of chocolates, uh, like Forrest Gump would, would tell you, but what if life were just a box? And if you were inside the box, you were in God's will, you were fulfilling the purposes that he had for you, and if you were outside the box, uh, you weren't uh, doing quite what God wanted you to do. What if life was like that? Life was like a box. You're either inside or you're out. And I said, well, okay, uh, maybe. And he said, well, maybe, if it is. And then he asked me, what? I'm just, what am I doing I just here? I need to stand here, apparently, and it'll show up on the screen. The, the projector is giving us some issues. Mark's going to demonstrate what a box looks like uh, for us now. <laughs> this is all part of the plan from the very, yep, thanks. So if you're done now, then you can oh. just fix that. And we'll, yeah, well. uh, so I submit, maybe, maybe that's, that's a possibility. Life might not be a dartboard. Might, life might be a box. And he said, well, if that was the case, what would the walls of that box look like? And we talked about that for a bit. And he said, well, maybe things like integrity. Okay, good. That's a good one. Maybe things like faith. Uh, yep, that'd be a good one. Maybe obedience to, to God and his word. Maybe that's one. Maybe love maybe charity, and, uh, and the more we talked about that, I guess I adopted that mentality, and, and he was a clever guy bringing me around to seeing this kind of thing, that, that life might be more like a box after all, and that was just a huge uh, sense of relief for me, that I could stop obsessing over you know, the, the little minute day-to-day details and, and trying to get this perfect life figured out. So that... That got me excited, that sense of relief that came with that. And, uh, and my, I would say that was kind of a time in life when my faith came really alive. I kept meeting with this fellow and, and got meeting some other good Christian friends. And uh, I got really excited about this uh, newfound reality in, in my faith. So excited that I thought maybe I'm going to switch uh, university programs. I, I studied engineering and uh, thought, no, I, I don't want to do this after all. I want to go work in a church and, you know, help other people uh, see this light that I guess I've experienced uh, right now, and, and that would be a, a good thing to do. And maybe that's the bullseye that God had for me after all, right? That's uh, that thinking creeping back in. So, uh, so again, I was privileged to meet uh, another godly man uh, at the time, and in fact, one of my professors at university, and I uh, was talking with him about potentially uh, switching programs, which would mean dropping out of one of the classes that I had uh, with him. And, and he said, you know, Andrew, he said, I meet a lot of uh, young adults, late teens, early 20s, that uh, their faith really does come alive in university, just like yours has. And he said, um, a high number of them do exactly what you're talking about wanting to do leave your program and go and go study, you know, religious studies and, and become a pastor or whatever the case might be. And he said, you can do that. He said, I just want you to take a little bit of time 
to think about the possibility that God might have you right where he wants you right now. He said, you got to be a little bit of a nerd to get into the, the program that I was in. And he said, there aren't a lot of other Christians in your class, you'll have noticed. When you get out in the workforce, you're going to notice there maybe aren't a lot of Christians in the, the business places that you're working in. So there's a, there's a real possibility that God uh, might have you exactly where he wants you in that. And, and that was kind of the next, uh, I guess, breath of fresh air, sense of freedom that I got there, that, that I didn't need to be confined to too narrow of a, of a job future, that I could stay doing what I, what I was doing, and that uh, you know I still might be within the box, uh, the walls of what, what God's will and purpose was for my life. And then, and then, you know, from there, I, I finished my program, and, and life goes on, and got married, and, and got a job that, uh, to this day, I really enjoy. Um, the good days far outweigh the bad. Some people will tell you younger ones that, you know, find something you really love to do, and you'll never work a day in your life. And they're lying. Uh, I'll tell you that much right now. Um, maybe that works for for a real small number of people uh, out there, but for most of us, I don't think that's going to be reality. You've got you've got bad days, but you've got uh, good days too. So yeah, yeah, I, I love I love my job. Work with uh, now now I do water and wastewater engineering, and when my wife tells people that, they're like, like he picked to work with wastewater like that he didn't just have to take this job to make ends meet like he actually wants to do that kind of thing and she tells them yeah and they just wash their hands a lot more at our house after that and get a little nervous if they found out that I helped cook dinner um, but uh, yeah it's 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 good I like it but uh, over the years you know I've had I've had conflicting advice uh, from from people that would continue to creep in I've Doing this kind of thing, speaking at a church, I've done it maybe a couple dozen times uh, in my life. And when I was a little bit younger, I'd, I'd hear from some people after the service, like, oh, I think you missed your calling. Like, you you should be uh, working in a church. And some of you this morning are like, no, I don't think you did. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, no, they gave you bad advice. It's good you didn't listen uh, to them. And uh, here's some of that. Uh, one, one time my wife and I had a uh, uh, little bit old, like maybe uh, empty nesters. They'd retired and uh, were, had spent some time overseas uh, doing missions type work. And they came over for dinner and a chat. And uh, I don't remember exactly how he, he worded it. But the, but the gist of the message to, to us at the time was... I'm not sure you're like a real young Christian couple if you haven't considered going uh, overseas into foreign missions. And okay, we finished dessert and they left. And Julie and I talked for about five minutes. Like, well, do you feel a call to that? No. Do you feel a call to that? No. Okay, I guess we've considered it. We can move on uh, with with life now. So you get get that kind of advice uh, as well. And, uh, you know, I think in both cases, those people were well-intentioned, like they had, you know, they're trying to encourage us to, to think about something else. But you can get pulled in a hundred different directions uh, in life. And, uh, you know, the next generation, I, I mean this sincerely, I sympathize for you even more than for myself because of just the, the pressures uh, that come from 
social media and there's awareness for everything, you know, there's now a day or a week for, for every potential cause there might be out there. You, you are going to get more and more uh, people fighting for your attention, uh, for your time, for your money, more causes you could get behind than, than even I experienced and certainly more than my parents' generation experienced behind me. So you're going to get pulled a number of different ways and you're going to have to wrestle through that. What, what will I choose to give time and, and money and attention to and what am I going to have to let go? And, uh, and that might even shift over the course of your life and I think that's okay. But what I'm hoping to encourage you with this morning, and I hope I got this quote right, I think it was Andy Stanley that said it, but basically I'm hoping that you fulfill your calling, uh, not your potential in life. And you're going to hear it in school, uh, you're going to hear it from other uh, sources, you've got the potential to do this, you've got the potential to do that. That's all very true. You've got the potential to do all kinds of things. You've got the potential to go to college, university, to study this or that. You've got the potential to get a dream job. You've got the potential to travel the world. You've got the potential to make millions of dollars if you want. You've got the potential for a great family. There are all kinds of things that you have the potential for. I, I'm not going to, to maybe belabor it too much, but you can spend time reading or listening to people that have fulfilled that potential. They've made it in the eyes of the world, and they found there's nothing there. That, that all the money, that all the, the, the esteem that come from colleagues for all of the status all of that potential that they may have realized and found that at the end of the day, there was nothing there after all. So, so with all that potential for grandeur and success and fame and money, uh, you've also got the potential to be a complete failure in a number of those things. And, and I'm hoping that uh, as you think about this, you would gauge your level of success uh, or failure according to God's eyes, not to what the, the world around you would say. It would be important that you fulfill your calling according to what God wants you to be, who God wants you to be, not what the world is telling you you might be able to do. And I think, uh, to an extent, this is important for, for our church body as a whole, because you know, there are all kinds of people with all kinds of potentials, but it, but it really does come down to having different callings. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes to us in the book of 1 Corinthians about the body, uh, the body being the, the church in this case. And there are all kinds of different parts in that body. And, you know, we can visualize that in a human body. We got Tokyo 2020 coming up, even though it's 2021 right now, I think. And uh, from the last Olympics, you know, Andre de Grasse, one of the Canadian uh, heroes there, just a remarkable athlete when you think about what he's able to do. And you think, a sprinter, okay, he's going to have fast, strong legs. But it's so much more than that. If he were missing a couple of toes, even if he was missing his arms, the way that the arms pump when he runs, he would not be able to do uh, what he does at the level that he does. Or to have the, the eyesight, the vision, the heart that can do what it needs to, be, to do. His entire body functions as a unit that brings about uh, success in his particular field. 
And, and so it is with the church, I think, that, that we're taught. God's placed every part of the body where it needs to be according to his purposes in order to have the church function as, as a, a, a real body. And where I think maybe we've done a little bit of a disservice uh, to, to each other in looking at all of this is we'll think of that in terms of the parts that make up like the Sunday morning church body or the midweek event that might be at church kind of body. So when you think about your potential gifts and, and how you might be used, you know, what part of the body are you in bringing that Sunday morning service together or in bringing that Wednesday night event together? And I think, uh, yeah, we've done ourselves a disservice thinking of it in those terms because the church is so much more than that. The church isn't just, you know, if there's one thing COVID should have taught us as a church, it's that uh, even though we're maybe not always in the church building, we shouldn't be out of the business of church building. And that's got to happen whether we're inside or outside of the walls. And and that's where I think uh, this idea of being part of that body, God wants you uh, in whatever vocation he's called you to, doesn't have to be something inside of the, the church walls uh, necessarily. Uh, I think uh, it's, it's in Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going to read for you real quick. If I can successfully open the Bible here. Colossians chapter 1, in verse 15, uh, it begins, He is the image of the invisible God. This is talking about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, because by him everything was created, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And I think uh, what I take from that is that everything uh, matters to God. It's not just our our church building. It's it's not even you know we focus a lot on souls and the savings of souls. Yes, that's of, of utmost important uh, to God as we look towards eternity. But I but I really believe when you read a line uh, such as uh, through Him to reconcile everything to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. God really cares about it all. He's not limited to having to care about uh, just the souls of people. He cares about everything uh, in our world as well. And we all might have a different role to, to play in that. And, and I'll admit that I've had to learn some lessons along the way. There are certain things that I like, and there are certain things that I don't feel I have time for or don't appreciate as much. In the words of the great Red Green himself, if it looks like something I could create, it's not art. And, 
And for a long, long time, uh, yes, I would definitely, and, may, and maybe I still agree with that uh, a little bit. But this is just one example of, you know, where I feel like maybe God's opened my eyes a little bit over the past uh, year or so. I, I love music, but I'm not an artistic person. I, I don't have a lot of real uh, awe or wonder when I see some dots of paint that someone splashed on a canvas somewhere, and I probably have even less patience when I find out that they've sold it for a couple million dollars because it really spoke to somebody along the way. I don't, I don't really understand uh, that kind of stuff, but, I, but I've probably been critical of that kind of thing to a fault uh, in the past, and I'm trying to get better and better at realizing that, uh, you know, just because it's something that I don't necessarily appreciate or see the value in, that's okay. Someone else is made uh, differently than, than I am, and they might really enjoy uh, those kind of things. That, that might, as much as it pains me to say it, that might actually be part of what their calling is, to create, to create art or to do uh, whatever else it might be. And, uh, and I'm trying to understand better and better that, yes, God creates, or God uh, cares for all these things, whether it's arts. You, you may, in fact, be called to to music or visual arts. I believe God cares about the environment. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of where my job falls, that we help get involved in that kind of thing. You might uh, someday get involved in education, in retail, in infrastructure, agriculture. I, I really believe that God cares about all of those things. And if that is where your calling uh, is, then I, then I really hope that, you know, you go out and pursue it and do it to the glory of God no matter what anybody else around you, inside or outside of the church, might have to say uh, about it. Here is where I think you will find uh, some of your challenge. Uh, you will meet a certain group of, of people, this would be a group probably inside the church, that, that really want to focus on, like I said, that whole soul-only kind of side of it. And they will, they will be... Um, primarily or maybe solely focused on what the church is doing in that regard. And, uh, and you know, the rest of the world, everything outside of the church, we can just ignore it. It's doomed anyways, so let's not spend any time trying to redeem it or improve it, that kind of thing. There really are people out there that uh, uh, believe that. And, and if you want to engage this material a little bit more, uh, there's a book called Futureville by a guy named uh, Sky Jatani. Really enjoyed it. He would call that kind of like an evacuation mentality. We're all leaving here eventually anyways, so let it burn. Nothing else uh, matters. On the flip side, you're going to meet a lot of people, you know, maybe more people uh, outside the church that just, what, what is the church? Who's God? Who's Jesus Christ? Why does any of that matter? Uh, we love the world. We're here for a good time. While we're here, let's make the most of it. And you're going to have that kind of pressure as well, dealing with people that want to push you uh, that way. I, I think that uh, you're going to find you have to live in a bit of a tension in between where God certainly wants us to love and care for his church as the bride of Jesus Christ. That's certainly part of our calling here. And while we're doing it, uh, we do need to care for the world around us as well in whatever kind of uh, stewardship role you might have to play in that. 
I, I really believe, and I'll say it again, Jesus Christ is Lord over all things, King over all things, in heaven and on earth. And that's a big landscape to cover, right? And you're not going to cover it all as an individual, but my prayer for you this morning is that uh, you'd be able to, to fulfill whatever calling God has for you in that care. Don't work for nothing. Find some purpose in your calling, and I pray that you'd encourage others uh, to do the same along the way. If you're able and you're, and you're willing, I'd ask you to stand with me, and I'd like to pray uh, for you this morning. Father God, you are a great and wonderful and glorious uh, Father, and uh, there really is nothing else in heaven or on earth that we could find to compare with you. Uh, because of your goodness, because of your love, because of your mercy, uh, you care for us, and uh, we can do nothing but just thank you for that and uh, hope that we are able to, to bring you glory and praise you and honor you as a result of that. We, we want to care for uh, the things you care for, God, and uh, we really believe that's all things, that uh, you are Lord over all, and therefore you care about all things going on. And we pray, God, that uh, even though as individuals uh, we are only able to do uh, very little uh, in each of our own strengths or abilities, uh, we're thankful that we're part of a broader church, the big C church uh, within this world, where we believe that you have given a purpose and a calling for, for each one of us to make up part of that body uh, that we read about that uh, exists to, to honor you and to serve your purposes. So, Lord, help us to find uh, contentment and peace uh, through, our, through our ability to, uh, to work for you, really, and to bring you honor that only comes by your grace. Help us to not uh, be too distracted or, or torn away from that purpose and calling by what the world would have to tell us or what the world would have to offer us, but help us to live for you and to do the work you've called us for, all for the sake of your glory and your honor. Amen.